Thank you. I would, uh, first of all, I'd love to have known about Lou Holtz after I spoke today. <laughs> so so, so uh, being the guy right before him is, uh, it seems a bit uh, challenging. Um, I wanted to also say how much I appreciate you guys being here today. You know, time's the one thing you can't have back, and you're willing to take a chance and risk hanging out with me this morning. So um, I appreciate that. I was thinking about uh, the opportunity to come talk to you guys about one experience I had in particular. But um, I just, when I think about courage and tenacity, I think uh, I'm pretty inadequate compared to some. In fact, compared to many, one of my one of my heroes uh, is a guy. That would be he'd be a hundred now. He passed away at 96 four years ago. Who landed at North Africa? Landed at Sicily. Landed at Normandy. Um, also was in uh, Korea and Vietnam. I mean, that is a guy that had amazing courage and tenacity, and I had the privilege to be a quail hunt partner with him and a little golf with him and I learned many things and I think it definitely instructed me as well so the iron sharpening iron concept that you guys here have here is so important and uh, I just want to encourage that and again I, I thank you for uh, being here and let me share a little bit uh, Tom mentioned that I've always been you know driven by the desire for freedom I want to just say a little bit more about that. You know, when my dad moved our family to Orlando from North Carolina in 1954, I was three years old and pretty much, you know, grew up on a dirt street, tiny house, six people, one bathroom, which I know since I've had the privilege to travel around the world, it's pretty great. But in America, that's kind of the bottom of the totem pole. And so I, I got very motivated um, to mow grass, wash cars. Um, I, uh, I, I would, once, twice a week, funny story, twice a week I would get a quarter for lunch. And, and I would stop this little convenience store and spend my quarter on gumballs and uh, uh, fireballs and I'd sell them at recess, buy them for a penny, sell them for a nickel. And uh, the school let my business operate about two weeks and then shut me down. <laughs> so. I had I actually got called to the principal's office without being told what was going on. And I thought, oh man! I walk in, my parents are in the you know waiting room to sit down with the principal. I'm like, oh man, what do they catch me for? You know, and everything. So third grade, and uh, anyway, my dad said, uh, can't do that after we left. He can't do that anymore. But you're on the right track. Good thinking. <laughs> so. Um, Anyway, so that, that really, because of our modest um, family situation, because I, you live in the United States, there's plenty of people that have other things. I was driven by the idea, you know, if you make some money, you have some freedom. You can go to the movies, you, and you, there's a lot of things you can do. And so that really um, was a factor in how I processed my decisions. Uh, fortunate enough to go to Stetson University over here in Deland, get a finance degree. Um, I, I also my dad was a plumbing contractor, so we grew up plumbing, and he'd probably get arrested for the job sites he puts on <laughs> now, because we, we went to job sites starting 10 years old, definitely learned about hard work, and I definitely thought 
I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I want to do something that takes me out of a ditch, you know, on a shovel land pipeline. So that I, it was it was really something. So anyway, I had a, a measure of success. I went to work for Days Inn, building uh, motels and restaurants, and was making some money. But mid-teens, I uh, just my dad became a believer when I was two months old in a Billy Graham crusade meeting. Um, but He's a tough cat, 82nd Airborne, um, not a lot of real huggy, touchy, feely stuff, and, and really kind of a, I think it helped me be the man I am. Many of the things we don't like help us, but it, uh, because there was a lot of rules and no relationship, it really distanced us, and, it, and, and I also decided, it wasn't his fault, I decided, because he was trying to be the best dad he could, I decided that uh, I didn't want to be, do that Jesus stuff, I was interested in making money, like I said, and playing sports, and I didn't know anybody that did either one of those that was a Christ follower, which is so important why we should share our faith, um, and so I just said, I got this. Um, I hated rules. I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do. Um, I loved my autonomy. So fast forward 10 years, and I've been married. I'd been married five years at 25, because Deborah and I got married in college, <clears throat> and uh I began to look around and I began to realize I was making some money, but my life wasn't where I wanted it. I wasn't, I didn't have peace. I didn't have joy. Uh, and a couple of guys that I knew, which was Deborah's uncle, there was a guy who was president of First Alabama Bank in Phoenix City, Alabama. That was a guy I respected. And he, knowing I was not really Sunday school material, I was dating his niece and married her. He really loved on me, and he was a hugger, and he was just showing the love of Jesus to everybody. Guy picked up the trash. The president of the bank he was making loans, uh, the president of the local company he was making loans to. So anyway, I saw that, and I, I told, went and talked to Deborah, and I said, I think I've left out a piece of my leadership here, and I realized it's the truth, but I just didn't want to give up my autonomy. And, by that time, 10 years of that, I had realized my autonomy was overrated. It was, uh, it was not good. I should not be in charge of the planet. God should be in charge, and I, I, I should be, and that's about how I thought about it, me being in charge of the planet. I figured I had a better idea than anybody I knew on everything. And so I took a knee and kept my life to Christ. A lot of things, of course, life is not without challenges. Even though you're not landing at Normandy, stuff happens. Um, loss of job. Um, people have gone through loss of spouse, either through, through a divorce or death. I mean, there's just wayward children. And I think almost everything you can think of, except uh, losing Deborah, I, I've experienced about all of it. And as I grew through the years, I kept finding the provision and peace that Christ brought in my life was really really the key. So I want to tell you briefly about uh, 10 years ago, life was good. You know, I had the t-shirt, business making money, children doing good, uh, you know, doing ministry stuff, probably 50-50 with my time. And uh, I got a phone call, June 25th, 515. A gentleman that um, we were joint venturing on five projects had died. I learned two days later he had committed suicide 
because he had embezzled over $30 million from the five projects that we were joint venturing with him, and the total losses actually ended up being over $200 million on other projects and other people. So for the, for the first time in many years, my sense of well-being, my sense of confidence was shattered. Only time I've ever had my picture in the paper uh, and on the front page. You know, and I had 298 of my buddies that were investors and all that. And so, you know, you're thinking, they must either think I am one of the stupidest people in the world. How could this happen? Or, or I'm a crook too. And so neither one of those things are good to have your partners thinking about. And I will tell you that two things, outward strength, inner strength. I think the inner strength came from the word, from community. I had pals like a small group, including your speaker next year, Scott Boyd, that would shoot me a text. One of the, um, Scott didn't know I was going to mention his name this morning, but one of the things that really impacted me, he sent me a, a little message um, during that time, 2 Timothy 1, 7, uh, which says, you know, God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And it just meant so much to me to have a brother touching me. And I was, and I, my two brothers are partners with me. Um, and I will tell you this thing I think is astounding. There was not one cross word between us. That's the spirit of God. When you know you're facing this and everybody is thinking, who's to blame? There was no blaming. There was only support. And uh, I think that was a real testimony to God's, again, his provision and his peace. Um, I want to tell you a few things for the outward side. Um, the outward side, and when Tom was introducing me, he mentioned um, three key things that I think are necessary for success along with God helping you realize you're the servant and he's in charge, that is humility, integrity, and a sense of urgency. And I had been working with those concepts when this happened, definitely, specifically, those three concepts for over 20 years. I was on a plane trip going somewhere I don't remember, and weather wasn't bad, but I just had the thought, you know, these airplanes, they don't always land the conventional way. Yeah. Yeah. Thank. Yeah. And and by the way, I have done that jump out of the airplane. I did it in college, and did it help to ever celebrate her 60th birthday. It is uh, it is a blast. I gotta say, um, I rec I do recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. But anyhow, I so I started. I wrote basically uh, over the next couple of hours. I thought about it and wrote as a two-page letter. And I actually have a copy of it for you guys today. I'm gonna. Anybody that's interested, those key concepts and what's going on. But I think because I started um, thinking about those things and, and trying to make it more and more a part of how I lived, how I treated Deborah, how I treated my kids, how I treated my customers, how I treated um, people that I met, those things. So on the practical side uh, of those concepts, one of the things that we did on the humility side, we immediately sent a letter to our partners, all 298 of them, told them what had happened, gave them the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we continued to do that for almost two years. Every two weeks, they'd get you an email or letter from me saying, here's what happened. And my point is, we humbled ourselves and were open with our guys and said, here's the stuff, 
you know I don't want to say, here it is. Out of 298 people, by the way, I only had one guy sue me because a lot of people were thinking, you know, you, at the very least, you know, you avoided um, uh, doing what you should have to protect us. And, and I had a couple of attorneys that sent me some emails that made me know they weren't happy. I scheduled a meeting with them with a former law partner and sat down with them and just brought everything. All our, I mean, two huge boxes and just opened, just humbled myself and said, here's our stuff. Here's what happened. Here's the books. Here's the checkbooks. Here's what we were doing. And this guy was just very smart. And, you know, it's easy to figure out as a Monday morning quarterback, you know, what play you should have run or what kind of defenses you should have had on Monday morning when, when you get hammered. And I said, this is so. And those guys walked away from that meeting and said, I knew they were going to sue us. When they walked out of that meeting, I think it's because I humbled myself, they said, okay, keep us posted on what's going on, and maybe we can help you, and maybe we can identify some things that can make a difference. I don't think they would have had that attitude if I had stonewalled, if I'd have said, hey, not my fault. I'm not the bad guy. I didn't. So we, we stuck in there. We didn't run away. Secondly, uh, just on the integrity side, we met with a friend, business associates, and good friends, and... Um, Got sought counsel them, didn't try to think, again, we're so smart, we can take care of everything. Let me tell you something. Um, a, 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 a smaller financial problem, we might have temporarily thought it was our problem. But $30 million problem, gentlemen, that's a God problem. And it really, it really takes you to your knees. Um, so, and then a sense of urgency. The other thing I'll say, we found out on Friday we had a team assembled on Monday with attorneys. Uh, one of the attorneys, uh, who's a white-collar crime guy, brought a forensic CPA. We, we met with countless people constantly. We didn't start any new projects. We didn't do anything else but work on solving the problem. And um, all through that, I think the reason for the confidence that I had um, was because I was confident who I was, that I was God's son, and that... He would have the best for me. Um, there's a great verse in Hebrews, I think it's 10, 35, and 36, that talks about, you know, um, trusting God even though you're dealing with difficulty, and He will bring about all that He has promised. And He promised to be there for us. He promised to undertake for us. He promised to get us through. He didn't promise it'd be easy, and it certainly wasn't on a time frame that um, I would have liked. But we did recover about two-thirds of the money, that's shocking. Uh, if anybody knows about embezzlement, usually there's nothing you can recover because you find out about embezzlement when somebody either left the country or has died. But uh, through some insurance policies uh, that we were able to receive the proceeds from, another miracle, you know, insurance policies usually creditor-proof. Our forensic accountant was able to prove that our funds, even though you got thousands of creditors, our funds paid the premiums and we were entitled to that money. And then another gentleman, a dear, dear friend, um, actually assigned a policy that was payable to him in the event of this other guy's death to our team. And, and uh, that's, that's unheard of. I don't think there's one person in a million that would do it. And uh, I won't embarrass him because um, he is here today. But uh, I'll tell you, it just, 
it, it talk about encouragement, talk about knowing, just get up and do the next right thing every day. Uh, another friend of mine gave me a, a CD by um, Andy Stanley about the life of Joseph and how he just kept he just kept getting hammered. His brothers sold him, then he gets tossed into prison. He just kept doing the next thing, right thing, that anyone would do that was totally confident that God was there for him. And I'll tell you, although God is not, you can't always hear him, although he's silent, he is always present. And I just kept remembering that. Again, having my nose in the book every day. One of the things you'll see in this letter I wrote to my kids was every nose in the book every day. I happen to use one-year Bible, you know. I was mentioning these guys earlier, I'm ADD, um, so I'll probably leave out some stuff here, and I probably added some stuff that wasn't part of my comments because I'm all over the place. But the great thing about that one-year Bible, I can pick it up. I don't have to be smart. All I have to do is find a date. The date, <laughs> get that, I'm good. 15 minutes, I'm in Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. So many times when I've been reading and studying, I've had something come to me, totally unrelated to the Scripture, but totally related to what I need in the way of a solution or making the next right hard step. Um, the, the closing comment, I want to, I think we've got a couple minutes for some questions. People always have questions they want to ask me about our, our situation there. Um, I mentioned we did recover two-thirds. Um, I think the, a real key to courage and tenacity in crisis is preparation. And so because I was obedient, big word, because I recognized I'm a servant, not a master, and then did the things to grow as a person, as a team leader, as a co-partner, did those things. Then when the crisis came, I was prepared. I had the inner strength through Christ Jesus, not through Steve. But I think if I had been, if I just believed in God instead of believing God. I mean, I believed God would reward us. I believed God would chastise us. I believed God would um, do what was best for us, Romans 8, 28. I'm sure most of you know that verse. So I think the preparation... Um, made it possible to endure the crisis and to uh, be a good ambassador for Jesus. And uh, we got a little, we, not a little, we have a plan to recover that final third. We're sharing our revenue on our new projects with our guys. Our attorney told us not to do it. We said, that's fine. Um, we feel compelled. Actually, it was Micah 6, 8. You can, you can check that out. Great verse. You know, what does God require? Does he want more offerings? No, he wants us to to walk humbly, love mercy and justice. And I got them in reverse order, but that's, that's the gist. And, and again, I was reading, I was trying to think, what in the world are we gonna do? I mean, people like Colonel Dyson, my buddy, that landed in Normandy, he had money in there. Guys, his age, my dad's age, thinking, what are we gonna do for these folks? And I'm just reading along, and God said, well, I'm gonna give you new projects. You can just share the revenue and help these people recover. You're, I'm not the bad guy, but I'm God's ambassador. What would he want me to do? I told my brothers, and they said, oh, on it. I mean, not we're going to go pray about it instantly, which is, that's, that's another thing to be grateful for. So I just, I just want to share that story and how God provided, you know, and how he provided um, 
the ability to re do recovery, he also provided, more importantly, the peace and for us to live a life that would honor him. And that's, that's, I mean, that's what I want you to remember about this story. Obedience and honoring Jesus Christ. Uh, not about some great things we did, because we only did whatever God enabled us to. We're, we're just regular men, and uh, just like you guys, and we've all got an opportunity to, to shine for our Savior. So thank you very much, and any questions? Yes, sir. Um, what's your life verse? Uh, probably. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Um, there are a couple that there are a couple that really um, have meant a lot to me. I took the Crown Financial uh, thing a few years ago, like twenty, I think. Scott and I were in the, or twenty-five. Scott Boyd and I were in that class together, but. It's a First Chronicles 29, 11, and 12. You know, everything in the earth and heavens is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as being in control of everything. Riches and honor come from you alone, and you're the ruler of all mankind. Your hand controls power and might, and it's at your discretion that men are made great and given strength. Yes, sir. Steve, can you comment on the major things that you described to us today? Can you comment on how you were a support to your wife and family during those times? Yeah, I think uh, I think maybe Deborah gets the award for the support thing. <laughs> um, you know, early in my business career, that's a great question. Early in my business career, um, you know, I thought I really knew more about business and decision-making and I wouldn't confide in her like I should. And then occasionally when I would, she'd maybe disagree with what I was doing. And uh, after she turned out to be right and I was wrong a couple of times, <laughs> you know, um, like I was, this guy I was going to hire and she went to dinner with me and his wife and she said, Steve, that, um, that guy didn't treat his, he didn't treat his wife like I want him to treat you. And I said, oh, you know, the elders of his church say he's a good guy and he's got a great resume and that's, you know. Boy, was she right. I mean, within a year, had to, had to fire him, had some things, but he, he, she discerned. So I really began to realize she didn't have a business degree, but she's got, you know, life experience. And one of her spiritual gifts is discernment. Mine is, you know, faith giving and exhortation uh, excuse me, that discernment one, I, I miss that. So I also helped me know that I needed accountability with other people that had more discernment. But uh, I, I think the other thing is I, tr I kept them informed. I, I, and let me reiterate this. I had a good buddy of ours, Stuart Hall, uh, huge supply for many years. He said, you know, if you fail to communicate, people are going to fill in the blanks. And they're not going to fill them in with things you want them thinking. And that, I think that was part of the thing that prompted us to do those reports. And I did the same thing with my children and Deborah. I didn't shield them from, hey, this could be bad. We may not have a business when this is over. In fact, if everything goes like normally would, I think, um, I, I think we wouldn't have a business. But another thing from Crown, we didn't have any debt. We had worked 
to where we had no business, no personal debt over the years, just gradually set up a plan. And, and our plan was if we got anything over the, the basic budget either place, we took 20%, paid down debt. So I think that enabled us to survive. Again, it was obedience. Um, it's real easy to borrow money, paying it, paying it back, paying that debt off, as you all know. That's, that's not the easy thing to do. But I think the communication with them, um, and another point to that, I think probably the most important thing I did, other than work hard and hire the folks, is I communicated hope to our investors. I communicated, we, you know, we're, we're not running away, and we are going to solve this. I communicated hope to the investors, to our employees, and to my family. And it's going to be okay. God's got this. We're just going to get up every day, do the next right thing, and trust Him for it. David? Steve, I've known of you for probably 30 years. I haven't known you, but I, what I've heard about you is that you've always had a strong band of brothers around you. Talk to me a little bit about the intentionality of this band of brothers. You mentioned Scott. Uh, talk a little bit about that. How that formed? Yeah. I think the, yeah, that's a great question, David. I think the uh, real catalyst for that, when I was in Dallas, uh, Texas, I was in Dallas, Texas, 1983-1984, I was raising capital um, to drill on gas wells. Long story how real estate development construction guy gets into doing that, but anyway, um, we did, and then we had a wonderful experience, and we did, we did have some challenges. We actually had a, had a bank officer um, Hoping I'm getting number three. Had a bank officer <laughs> divert some funds to some folks we were joint venturing with because they were going to go under, and he thought he could get it diverted and get it replaced. And anytime people divert money, it seems like you hear later ah, it never got replaced, and it didn't, and we had a catastrophe. But before the catastrophe, and us us going back through uh, litigating with this bank and all that, um, which was probably some preparation for the next one thing that happened to us that was much bigger. Um, um, I, my, one of my dad's very dear friends that would call me eh, maybe once a year, he was an executive with Texaco, and, and uh, not about business, just how you doing? What did you do with Deborah lately? You know, he was a, he was a discipler. Um, he said to me, he said, you know, he said, I've got some guys I pray with every week. What do you think about you and Frank and Mike and your dad getting together prayer once a week? So we actually still do that. Um, our partner meeting was uh, when we're traveling, we get on a, that free conference call.com thing. Uh, yesterday was our, it's usually Tuesdays, but this week it was Thursdays because of other things. Every week we talk about family matters. We talk about business matters, uh, whatever. And then one of the brothers, we rotate just in praise for what all is going on and for God's wisdom, provision, peace. So, it, along with that, I've got a group of guys I meet with on Wednesday mornings um, for Bible study. Been doing that for many years. It's interesting, a, a guy that I met uh, through an interesting series of events and got to lead to Christ uh, at a coffee shop. Um, he said, you know, I think we ought to have a Bible study. And I thought, <laughs> for about two weeks after he becomes a believer, I thought, why didn't I think of that? Well, what a great idea. <laughs> so... You know, so we started that, and that was probably uh, maybe, well, more than 10 years ago, but uh, 
but not, you're so right. You just, you just, you can't do it on your own and do it as well. You got to have accountability and you got to have encouragement. And uh, so grateful for my current partners here, Ken Cup and Scott Boyd, and their encouragement to me. And they were a huge encouragement in that whole process. And my buddy Ken here was he was he was not only encouragement; he was one of the players in uh, in that movie. Um, one of the characters there that was also hurt deeply financially and every other way and through God's provision and peace and exhortation of one another um, you know I think it was a great testimony yes sir you know, I'm curious um, after spending decades of um, practicing these uh, uh, spiritual disciplines and uh, sort of being in spiritual training for this crisis mm -hmm. this 30 million dollar crisis mm -hmm. how much if any of the old man sort of sprung back into your consciousness to say, oh, I'm going to run for cover, I'm going to defend, I'm going to do whatever you did when you were, you know, before you were a believer. Uh, how much of that old man is, you know, tried to, tried to lurch back into your mind and, and take over, and if so, what did you do to shout it down? Yeah, he was saying how much of the old man. I, you know, you're never going to totally escape that. Um, I, but I have to say very little. I, I think maybe one. I think one of the reasons that was because it was such a massive problem. You know, I I, I think I knew that that I, I, Steve Scripture couldn't do it. I mean, it was just so beyond me. Uh, some amazing things happened that also some, uh, cemented that we um, several things that we filed um, in uh, to advise like the insurance company and uh, a, a potential claim we had and stuff like that. We found out later so many things that we did like that were one day before we, we wouldn't have had the ability to have a claim. And, and we did things almost instantly. And we, to the extent we could, we did things immediately. But I, I, think, uh, I think maybe there's more risk of that for me on smaller things, things that are more you don't, you don't feel like you're so overwhelmed, you just got to be on your knees all day. Um, that, I think, is where I'm more likely to mess up. And, uh, and of course, Deborah helps me with that. <laughs> no, dude, you don't got this. <laughs> do not do that. We need, to, we need to pray and get back to where we're both agreeing together. Robert? Um, you mentioned your accountability groups and your Bible study groups. Is there a, a teacher or a mentor who's just added a lot of value to you that you could recommend to us or tell us what they've added value to you? Um, yes, I, I, I'd be happy to. I want to say also that uh, so delighted Robert is here. You know, he's with International Cooperating Ministries, and I'm familiar with that. If you're not, you ought to talk to him. They're building churches all over the world. They want to see a church all over the world, everywhere. Most people have to walk to church. And, and part of the goal is to have a church where everyone could walk to it. And it's just amazing the impact that it has. And we, we invest in that ministry. Um, you know, I think um, I like to read. Um, and uh, I think uh, reading and listening to CDs and that type of thing. I love Andy Stanley. Um, I just, he's so practical. He's so pragmatic. And that... CD I mentioned about Joseph, that was, that was one of his. That's an incredible CD, and I don't know if it's still available in the library, but I'd recommend every man listen to it. It's, it's, plus, he's, 
He's, he's hilarious. I mean, the guy is such a great communicator. Um, Robbie Zacharias International Ministries has had a huge impact on, on our discipleship, um, um, trying to grow as men. I think those would be a couple of resources that have made a big difference to me. But, but I don't ever get away from that one-year Bible every day. And the cool thing is, I mean, I've had the same... In fact, this one-year Bible I had, the thing was falling apart, so I went and had it rebound. But I've got notes in there about all kinds of experiences, whether it's with the children or... And, and one of our boys uh, really had us on our knees for years. And so all the notes I wrote in there when I saw this psalm, just crying out to God, you know, help me. And I can remember one particular evening when we got some news that was really a bummer. And, uh, you know, you're trying to, and, and you have a tendency to want to blame yourself, this kind of stuff, but, you know, God got him through it. But that night, I remember just walking up and down our driveway, just, just, you know, weeping and just saying, God, you know, I feel like I've got a thousand pounds laying on my chest and, and I just, I just can't take this. What? So, you know, I just was there for a long, long time. Finally came back to the house, went to sleep. Uh, it calmed down quite a bit. Woke up in the morning with, as the word says, the peace that passes understanding. Uh, so uh, uh, that'd be my answer.